Monday, it's a new episode of All Rise, the legal drama where one judge is shaking up the system. When I take the bench, I'm taking a vow to fight for justice. One case at a time. Your Honor, we're going to trial. Simone Misik is Judge Lola Carmichael. Up on that bench. Everything is different. A new episode of All Rise. Freedom is at stake. It's important. Followed by a new episode of Bull, Monday at 9, 8 central on CBS. Hackers are after your business data. I can help. I am Vi, the virtual intelligence assistant at Virtual Armor. Virtual Armor, partnered with Juniper Networks, provides cybersecurity services and end-to-end solutions to keep what's yours, yours. Defend yourself with managed firewall and managed SIM essential core services that are economical and efficient. Virtual Armor goes beyond just initial alerting to provide a thorough report on threats, vulnerabilities, and results. Let me help protect you. Contact me at JustAskVi. That's V-I dot com. Good morning, Governor and Bo. And I'm certainly glad that uh, the governor is still with WBT. I'd like to say thank you on behalf of the group. And I'll tell them I hope we pass the audition. <laughs> Hopefully this won't be your last day because you're a snag. The sensitive new age guy. Wow, Pat. You are sizzling hot on it this morning. Governor Pat McCory, Bo Thompson, love listening to you guys. Listen to y'all every morning of my life, basically. Time to play the game. How dare you? I mean, he's been club champ for three years running, and I'm... 14 years as Charlotte Mayor. No slouch myself. We're here in Charlotte with the mayor, the Honorable Pat McCrory. Four years as NC Governor. This is quite an honor for me today. I'm overwhelmed, and I'm honored to be on the main street of our beautiful capital city. WBT presents Bless your heart, both of you The Pat McCrory Show You and Bo, thank you for truth With Bo Thompson Driven by Felix Sabatis, Mercedes-Benz of South Charlotte It was a warm, friendly conversation It was a perfect conversation Yes, good morning, Bo This is your show, you don't still have the governor on (laughs) (laughs) I'll tell you This is a setup Bo Thompson show, I wouldn't have called in types of fevers that you do not want to get in a political campaign, especially. In fact, you don't want to get a fever anytime, but there are two types of fevers that came about this past four days. One that impacted the president, several senators, whole frickin' White House staff. That was called a virus. Caused a fever. And one rule of politics is during a campaign, you protect the candidate from getting any fever. And the White House staff and the campaign staff totally failed our president and first lady from protecting them and getting a fever. A fever that we're still learning about, by the way. Any kind of fever is bad. Man, when I was on the campaign trail, my staff would have lotion in my hand. You know, I'd do these fundraisers and pictures and selfies. And the minute we'd get in the car, man, it'd be like I'm taking a shower. 
<laughs> because the l worst thing you can have happen during a campaign is getting sick. By the way, that's true while holding office, too. Now, the other kind of fever that we saw pop up was what we call zipper fever. Yeah, that's another kind of fever I wouldn't recommend you get at any time, but especially while you're holding office or running a campaign. And you people who are uh, supporting your candidate, you want to do everything you can to make sure your candidate does not get zipper fever. Because these candidates, you know, people are applauding them. There are pictures all over the TV and the commercials. And you have a chance to be the next U.S. senator, one of 100 people in the United States. And you start believing that you're better looking and smarter and funnier than everyone else. And you're tempted to get this, quote, zipper fever. And sadly, I'm, there are other people that suffer from your zipper fever. <laughs> that's the families. John Moore. What? <laughs> yep, zipper fever. Got Cal Cunningham. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's like you're doing a duet with Ray Charles here. <laughs> it's You're riffing today. So we're going to be talking about these two fevers. See, I've been there. I've played the game. I've been played by the game. I know the game, and I'm exposing the game. And these are the two worst kind of fevers for anyone in political office to get or for any candidate to get. And that fever is especially not fair to your family. And other families that are impacted, in, <laughs> infected by this fever. It really is not fair. I got a fever. It's not fair to the wives and spouses and children and co-workers because you let a lot of people down by getting this fever, whether it be a virus that you could have avoided or zipper fever, which you should have avoided. This could be my last, uh, last show. <laughs> I could be fired today because I've got some pretty strong comments about both fevers that are impacting our nation and could have a, a tremendous impact on our governance of our nation. And I'm going to give some pretty strong advice to uh, President Trump and Vice President Trump and Vice President Pence and some pretty strong advice to Cal Cunningham. Who is staying in the race, according to Two different fevers. And what they did is not fair to those around them. I'd be doing myself a disservice and every member of this band if I didn't perform the hell out of this. Guess what? I got a fever. And the only prescription is more cowbell. Wait, actually, if, if I want to be uh, on brand here, I should... There you go. Ow. Got a fever. That's your kind of music. Oh, that is Def Leppard. You're right. You just had to pull out some Def Leppard on me. Well, I mean, you're looking for any excuse. You want more cowbell? I mean, we. <laughs> I 
can go this direction too. A little Botman uh, Turner Overdrive. <coughs> or as the people in the know call them, BTO. Or, or Grand Funk Railroad. Oh, that's true, too. So that's Grand Funk. <laughs> oh, Mark Farmer at Grand Funk Railroad, huh? <laughs> a little cowbell in that, yes. too. Never well, let's get serious for a second. Yeah. I'm not a happy man. Because I think some people around the president were totally irresponsible. Again, let's put a little betting so I'm not totally by myself, but um, I think it was irresponsible for the White House staff, Mark Meadows, and other members of his staff to put the President of the United States in any position to be exposed to this virus. See, this is the way you ought to treat the President. I love you. Like Billy Scott and the Georgia Prophets used to say, I love you, Mr. President. I'm going to do anything for you to protect you, even do things that you don't want to do. I know you like to be out with the people, but right now you're president of the United States and I want to get you reelected and I want to protect you from the fever. And we'll do anything to make that happen because you're important to us. You're important to the country. And so is your family. And by the way, Mr. President, if I see your wife, the first lady, sitting next to a nine-year-old kid, I think I'll move the first lady. Because sitting next to a nine-year-old kid with no mask, one foot away, is probably not good for the first lady. And the first lady tends to hang around you. And there are some other people we might as well protect while they're on that White House lawn. And those are the senators that are responsible for confirming the Supreme Court justice that you were elected to appoint. And we got some votes in like three weeks for the Supreme Court justice, and we got three or four senators out in the audience. We all do everything we can to protect those senators. Now, a couple of the senators, like our own Tom Tillis, actually wore a mask. But the mask is not foolproof guarantee, which the media doesn't tell you about. But it helps. But it didn't help Tom. Some other senators didn't have any protection whatsoever. You see, that's the job of your staffers, is to protect you from yourself. The president and the first lady are just assuming they're taken care of. I know they're. I've been there. I've been in an executive position. You just assume, well, if I'm here and everyone's around me, everything must be okay because people are around me to protect me. I got security. I got a chief of staff. I got all these people. They're going to protect me because they love me. They don't want me to get the fever. Well, they weren't thinking. And my good friend Mark Meadows should have been thinking as chief of staff, there's something wrong with this picture of a White House, White House ceremony where we have all these people sitting right next to each other with no mask, and we have the senators who are going to be voting on the confirmation, we have the first lady, and we have the president of the United States. What would happen if they happen to get sick? Well, it's rocked this nation, and it could have been prevented. I'll tell you, I'm upset about it.
Because I want President Trump to be reelected. I haven't hid my bias whatsoever. I agree with 90% of his policies, and I disagree with 90% of Joe Biden's policies. But if we let our president, who's a candidate, get sick, we're putting this nation at pearl. And by the way, some advice to my good friend Mike Pence, who I know extremely well. I served with him when he was governor of Indiana. I was governor of North Carolina. Don't go out on the campaign trail next week or this week. We've got to reassure the public that we've got a governance structure that's more important than anything. You might be the tie-breaking vote for the Supreme Court, especially now that we have several senators sick. Protect yourself and your wife and your family. Man, I love the song, I Got the Fever, but this is not the time to get the fever. And President Trump, I wish your speedy and quick recovery. Speaking of the U.S. Senate. Yeah, we got another guy, uh, Democratic candidate Cal Cunningham, who you see about every three minutes on TV, who's speaking kind of, you know, like, I'm a perfect human being. I've got the Bronze Star, and I served in the military, and I'm fighting for you. Well, apparently he was doing some other things besides fighting for us. And he got the another type of fever, and that's the zipper fever, which sadly a lot of people and men and women in power tend to get. And they just think they're not going to get caught. And he's let a lot of people down, especially his family. And my prayers are with his family right now. I can't imagine what they're going through. But it's not right what he did, and I'm going to talk about that in just a few minutes. So, uh, I saw a Cal Cunningham uh, TV ad last night, one of many. There was one on during the break on the monitor here. And you just can't look at the Cal Cunningham ad, especially with showing him in his military garb, in which he was a lawyer. And he's been kind of bragging about his bronze star, which he did not get for heroism. He got for being a lawyer. In fact, on his election night, when he won the Democratic primary, he bragged about, I train Green Beret soldiers at Fort Bragg. Now, he didn't tell him what he trained them in. I think he probably trained them in legal work. But then the commercial shows a bomb blowing up as though he was right there. Leading them to battle. But, you know, I, I commend him for being in the Guard, and I love the Guard, and frankly, I was over the Guard as uh, their commander for four years. I was honored. But now watching these commercials of Cal Cunningham, you just wonder, because uh, he apparently has been having an affair during his campaign with the wife of a fellow member of the military. We don't know what their relationship is. I've heard some say he might have been even reporting up through him, or they at least knew each other extremely well. And this uh, man, Jeremy Todd, who I feel sorry for, I feel bad even talking about it because of the uh, recklessness of a U.S. Senate candidate catching the wrong kind of fever. And I, I... I half-jokingly say this this is called zipper fever. 
because uh, I used to compare him to John Edwards in other ways, but apparently he has the same problems that John Edwards has. You know, they're both lawyers. They both came out of nowhere and wanted to be U.S. senators. Very little public service before then. And they reminded me each other of two candidates who, who say very little and have done very little. But the uh, husband of uh, the wife in which he's been having this affair with said the following about his wife. My wife carried me through. She is really the superhero in all of this. The wives are their unsung heroes of the military, the spouses that deal with everything. Without good wives and family, I don't think soldiers would be successful in their missions and everything they do, said Jeremy Todd. Well, sadly, his spouse and Cal Cunningham's spouse are hurting tonight and today and yesterday, and, and our prayers ought to be with him. Because Cal Cunningham and, and uh, the spouse of Jeremy Todd have been texting each other, and it sounds like it's been much more than, as the Charlotte Observer says, sexting, caught in sexting affair. Well, if you read the text, which you almost feel like a voyeur doing it, it sounds like they... Um, have had pretty close relationships. And sadly, they even talking about one of their kids' birthdays. I, you know, I was going to read these texts, but it, it does feel like almost voyeurism. I, I, and you, you know what, what happens with this is that Cal, and we're all imperfect, by the way, and Cal's imperfect. But when you're in a U.S. Senate race, you've got a lot of people relying on you. He's raised $25, $50 million, more than any other candidate, probably in the United States of America. And with that comes responsibility, in addition to being the responsibility of being a husband and a father and a member of the military, which now he may be in trouble with the military. Because if you're in the military on active duty and you have an affair, you can be uh, removed from the military. Well, one thing he hasn't done is remove himself from the race. Uh, he has apologized and taken responsibility for this in a statement, but he says well, he's staying in. We all apologize in. once we're caught. <laughs> but uh, so, do you think he should be? Uh, he should step down. Get I, out of I the race. I don't know what to say. I, I don't think this is the end of it. You can't just put out a statement. John Edwards tried that. Well, is the race it over work. for all intents and purposes? Or you know, if he stays in, uh, how do you think no, this affects No, it's not the... over because the Democrats, like Republicans, we're all hypocrites. If you agree with their issues, you're going to vote for them. And so for all the Democrats that are critical of Donald Trump's behavior, they're now going, well, but I support Cal Cunningham. In fact, the, the Senate Democratic Committee came out with a statement yesterday which basically said, but Cal Cunningham is right on the issues, therefore we're going to support him. And we Republicans are hypocrites, too. Okay, so let me ask it this way. Mm -hmm. uh, before this scandal, it was a tight race. Most polls showed Cunningham slightly ahead of Tillis. Mm -hmm. Where do you think this race now stands in light of what's happened oh, here? I, I, I think it changes dramatically because there's no way Cal Cunningham could keep playing these same commercials and keep a straight face about his military service. And 
I said weeks ago that I thought he was overplaying his military service, just like I thought Dan McCready was. <clears throat> you know, there's a point in which you say, I was in the military, and then there's a point in which you're kind of being bragging about <clears throat> service that was not equal to service that was really in battle. You give the impression that you were in battle when you were not. And I think other military members are going, really? Because people who are in battle don't really talk about it, based upon my experience. Members of my family who were in tough battles, they don't talk about it. They don't brag about the medals they receive. So uh, this is... This is going to it's going to be interesting how the media plays this. If the media is going to demand more from Cal Cunningham as opposed to just a written apology. Will they will more, you know, he's apologized, but what's he apologizing for? The text or is there more to this? And then the other issue is if you're going to run on your military service, then is the military going to do anything to him as a result of what he did? So you you live and die on what you run on. Well, you and I were both there among the seven uh, percent yesterday watching that Panthers game. Jim Zoki's going to join us on the other side of this. Talk about uh, the two and two Carolina Panthers. Are you sure it was seven percent, or could have been seven point two percent in the stands, or six point nine eight? That's okay. That's legal. Yeah. We'll have to ask uh, Governor Cooper to see if uh, I was waiting to be arrested. You know, just. <laughs> Bridgewater retreats, climbs the pocket, he's going to run with it. Bridgewater cuts to the right at the 15, the 10. Bridgewater to the 5, <laughs> unbelievable. Teddy Bridgewater houses it from 21 yards away. Sneaky fast. That's another design run by Bridgewater. And he was elusive in the open field. He made some moves, Kurt. Oh, he definitely made some people miss right there. That's just a great headsy play by Teddy right there. They ran a mesh route concept trying to find something across the middle, seeing if they were in man. Teddy recognized it early on. He didn't wait in the pocket. He said, they're going to give me this lane. I'm going to go run. 31 to 21. The Carolina Panthers get uh, their second win in a row at Bank of America Stadium yesterday, or second win in a row, and that one yesterday was back at home. In front of uh, about 5,000 fans, Bo Thompson here, the governor, and we bring on WBT Sports Director Jim Zoki, who was calling the action yesterday. Zoke, good morning. Good morning. Uh, guys could not have done it out uh, without both of you. Part of that 7% making all that noise out there in the bowl yesterday. Man, we were, we were into the game. Um, <laughs> With all due respect, we couldn't hear ourselves because of the blasting of music yes. and noise out of the. M oh, not not that again. Oh yes, yes. it was again. It yes, was the whole time. <laughs> you know, last last year I complained about. You know, I'm an old man now. <laughs> I complained about. I just want to hear the real fans, and I want to hear the players and smell the grass and. <laughs> But they they blasted us with all this sound as though there were 70,000 people in the state. And there goes another touchdown. <laughs> it wasn't you, Zoki. By the way, I heard you as I was coming home, and you were great. Uh -huh. You were great. And I look forward well, to hearing you, you on Showtime, that. too, because on Showtime, every week on Showtime, they redo the NFL highlights, and they often have your voice on Showtime. The NFL. Really? I need to uh, get an agent to make sure I get paid for this. That's good to know. <laughs> right. <laughs> Well, David from Asheville is available. 
Oh, I didn't know he was an agent, but I'll look into that one too. But uh, <laughs> game was great. Team's playing well. It's funny how two weeks ago, this team was 0-2, and their best player, Christian McCaffrey, is uh, going to be on the injured list for at least three, if not four weeks. And it just looked like, well, this isn't going anywhere. And two weeks later, people are already talking playoffs. So, so somewhere in between, I guess, is probably where we should be right now. Well, you at least have to, uh, I mean, I, what you just said right there needs more mentioning. The fact that we're, we did this without Christian McCaffrey. You add him back to this mix, and then you even get more bullish on this, this season. Absolutely so. And uh, you think without Russell Okung, you're starting left tackle. The offensive line played so great yesterday as well. This team really is a team in the truest sense. Reggie Bonifan carried the ball 10 times. He was on the practice squad two weeks ago, and he had 53 yards on those 10 carries yesterday. And the defense has, has really lit it up the past two weeks. So it's a good team. And uh, I, I joke about the playoffs. It's not out of the realm of possibility when you're playing around 500. In. It's kind of early for any kind of conversation for any team about that, but it just shows you how, how quickly this team is building what they're trying to do. Well, if we were in the NFC East, we would have clinched. <laughs> we would have already won the NFC East if, if we could. They haven't won a game <laughs> yet in the NFC it. East, have they? I don't think. <laughs> the uh, NFC East is 3-12-1. Wow. Collectively. <laughs> Speaking of the uh, virus, yes. we were talking politically about the virus hitting the uh, White House and the virus has also hit the NFL pretty hard. And, uh, uh, of course, our, our former quarterback Cam Newton's got it, which really made the New England Patriot game delayed until tonight. So they'll have two Monday night football games tonight. Are you seeing any difference now um, on some of the policies of the virus at the stadium? When we walked in the stadium, I will say it was pretty strict. I mean, mm-hmm. it was, even with 5,000 mm-hmm. people, we had to go through quite a routine a lot, through a lot of ropes and temperature checks and phone checks and free, ticket checks. Free, they turned down my ticket initially. Free hand sanitizer. Free hand sanitizer. Free mask. That's right. That's right. So are you seeing any difference now? Do you think this whole White House issue and, uh, and the uh, Cam Newton issue has kind of woke us up all again on this virus? I'll say this about the NFL. They've not stopped doing daily testing and uh, contact tracing. So as far as the, the, the team players and the staff members, that has not diminished or stopped at any point. What you have now is you know, players go home or they go to the grocery store, and so they can pick things up, at least because of the daily testing and this contact tracing. They're able to identify it and kind of isolate it quicker. We see these colleges with like 30 players getting it at once, at least as much as Tennessee's got it with, I think, 15, 16 total people in this thing now. Uh, that's by far the worst they've had, and it was Cam, like you said. It was the Kansas City Chiefs practice squad quarterback from that game, but uh, the team has, uh, the, the league rather, has done a good job in terms of that. But, yeah, it's high profile, so anytime Cam Newton or the president or someone has it, it's, it's going to make it even more top of mind. You know, it's something else we've learned, and and, uh, and that is this, that uh, the test, you can have a test and be cleared, but you still may have it. In fact, we're president probably has had it for four or five days, and that could be true with Cam Newton. In fact, the president will be coming home soon because he's had it four or five or six days. And uh, so I think that's something for the NFL to learn. Just because you have a test doesn't mean you don't have it. And this puts us all on the The opposite happened. Oh, yeah. The opposite happened to the Charlotte 49ers. They were supposed to play Georgia State two weeks ago. Mm -hmm. Georgia State came back with all these positive results. They weren't positive. They were false positives. They were negative. But they had to cancel the entire game over something that actually didn't even happen. 
And so tonight we have two Monday Night Football games. And by the way, Cam will not be playing for the Patriots because of that diagnosis. Who is? Who's the quarterback for the Patriots? It'll be Brian Hoyer in the New England Patriots. The old Cleveland Brown quarterback. Did oh, he's played for everybody, but yes, Cleveland was one of those teams. <laughs> yes, at one point in time. So that game is at 7.05, and that pushes the Atlanta-Green Bay game to 8.50. Well, we won't get to see Atlanta lose the game until the fourth quarter. That's going to be one in the morning. <laughs> well, yeah, so. Hey, stay up. It's worth it. <laughs> All right, Zoke, thank you very much. Panther Talk tonight at 6 o'clock here on WBT with Eugene, Mick, and Jim. Hour number two of the Pat McCrory Show is next. One day they'll tell a story. And some will say it was just a fairy tale. Everything you said is true. Absolutely true. 14 years as Charlotte Mayor. Always given, never taken. But you're having fun. I know you are. I'm having a good time with Bo Thompson. Somewhere between the right and the left, there's the middle. Four years as NC Governor. This is the best of America. God bless you all. Behind the scenes conversations. You can't handle the truth. No talking points. Hey, Pat, it's Donald, and I just want to tell you to keep up the good work. We're proud of you. Perspective you won't find anywhere else. Don't put your stupid hat on. WBT presents. It's time for... For a Carolina comeback. The Pat McCrory Show with Bo Thompson. One of my very close friends that I dearly miss, Billy Scott, and his great band, the Georgia Prophets, singing the beach song, I Got the Fever. And uh, during the last hour, we talked two fevers that are hitting our nation and politicians alike. We've got uh, one fever called the Cronus virus, or some call it the China virus. Has uh, impacted the president of the United States. Uh, some are saying he might even be uh, let out of uh, the hospital today. He snuck out of the hospital yesterday in an SUV, went around the block, waved, went back in. And by the way, before he did that, right before he did that, I thought of you because of something he said right here. We're getting great reports from the doctors. This is an incredible hospital, Walter Reed. The work they do is just absolutely amazing, and I want to thank them all, the nurses, the doctors, everybody here. I've also gotten to meet some of the soldiers and the first responders, and what a group. I also think we're going to pay a little surprise to some of the great patriots that we have out on the street, and they've been out there for a long time, and they've got Trump flags, and they love our country, so... I'm not telling anybody but you, but I'm about to make a little surprise visit. So perhaps I'll get there before you get to see me. And now you know that he went out and uh, did the little drive-by. But when he said, nobody knows about this but you, <laughs> it reminded me of you saying, uh, nobody's going to hear this except uh, two of us, right? Yeah. Well, it's good news that it sounds like the president's doing pretty good. Um, but he's getting uh, pushback from the media about not being direct with the media. You had... Uh, Mark Meadows come out and say one thing off the record. The doctors say another thing on the record. Now they're talking about him being released today. If he's released today, it's probably because he had the fever probably five or six days ago. And therefore, after 10 days or so, they say you're about done with it if, if you get past the 
the hot spots of how the fever may impact your immune system. So uh, that's one fever. I tell you, the fever that the president now has to hope for is a fever to elect him or re-elect him as president of the United States because the the polls are not looking good for Donald Trump, which is a great concern to me. But uh, right now, the national polls are Trump has fallen another four points to Joe Biden, while Joe Biden basically says and does nothing, which is reminiscent of most Democrats right now who say little and do even less, including our governor and Cal Cunningham. But apparently Cal Cunningham has done some stuff and it's been inappropriate things on the side away from his family while campaigning. And while showing commercials bragging about his military service, he sadly has uh, been having an affair with a uh, military spouse, military member's spouse, which is uh, putting our state and politics in a very uncomfortable position where someone's personal life, which impacts their family and other families, uh, how do we look at the commercials with a straight face anymore where he brags about his military service and yet he is apparently having an affair with... um, and members of the military's uh, wife, who ironically works for a marijuana company. I don't know where Cal Cunningham stood in the debate the other day as far as legalizing marijuana, but he might want to now say, I have a conflict of interest. The statement from Cunningham, Mm -hmm. quote, I have hurt my family, disappointed my friends, and am deeply sorry. The first step in repairing those relationships is taking complete responsibility, which I do. I ask that my family's privacy be respected in this personal uh, matter. I remain grateful and humbled by the ongoing support that North Carolinians have extended in this campaign. And in the remaining weeks before this election, I will continue to work to earn the opportunity to fight for the people of this state, unquote. So not getting out of the race. Not getting out of the race. He says he takes full responsibility. We don't know what for. All we've seen are the texts, which went through a website, and then the media was slow to pick up the website. Uh, McClatchy newspaper apparently didn't want to pick it up. National File. And National File AP did a story on it, which made all the other media come out and say something. And... uh, You know, it's reminiscent of the John Edwards situation that we had in this state. And and John Edwards and Cal Cunningham kind of come from, they're both lawyers. They're both male. Uh, They both have very little political experience. John Edwards had none. Cal Cunningham, two years in the North Carolina Senate, and that was it. But they both can raise a lot of money. And so the situation is... The Democrats have committed so much to Cal Cunningham regarding resources and money nationally that it's going to be tough for him to pull out of the campaign anyway. And it's going to be interesting if the media gives us any more attention or do they just sweep it under the rug? And would they treat it any differently if it were a Republican? Would it be a one-day story, a two-day story, or is the media going to ask for him to leave the race? The Charlotte Observer has already endorsed Cal Cunningham, I believe. And, by the way, the Charlotte Observer today endorsed a big surprise. Our current governor says he proposed a lot of good things. He didn't get anything done, but he proposed. He had a a, a good agenda that he didn't pass. Therefore, we ought to reelect him. It's kind of interesting. I might give you my endorsement a little later on today in this show, but... You know, I'm concerned about North Carolina politics right now. Uh, We're becoming a blue state. We're already a blue city, totally blue city. 
And we're about to become a blue state, and it'll be interesting how the Democrats respond to the Cal Cunningham uh, controversy. Again, if Cal Cunningham had not played up his military service as much and at the same time had a, uh, a, a uh, an alliance, is that the right word, with uh, a member of the military's spouse. Uh, liaison? Maybe that's the better word. Affair? <laughs> I don't know. Oh, boy. Well, and, uh, and my prayers are with the families, both families, who uh, didn't ask for this. But they're getting the they're impacted by this. And that's one thing as as a public figure, I've been there. And I had people around me. I had a chief of staff around me, Thomas Stith, one of my favorite people in the world. Man, he protected me from viruses and he also protected me from doing things that would be inappropriate. And sometimes you gotta have other people watch out for you too. People may wonder about debates. Uh, they debated three times, but they are not scheduled to debate anymore. That would be yeah, this, obviously a... This didn't come out in the news until, I think, a day after the debate, which okay. the media knew about some of this before the debate, by the way. The media knew about some of this. It'd be interesting to hear about the politics of the uh, news media and when they knew about it and when they uh, decided to write a story on it. But they're not as transparent as the transparency they seek from public officials. Thank you. Thank you very much. Okay, but before, before we even get started, let's, let's you know, let's, hey, the elephant in the room. Uh, you know, President Trump's in the hospital uh, from COVID, and I just want to say my heart goes out to COVID. So. Wow. Chris Rock on Saturday Night Live uh, making a joke about uh, COVID. It's probably a funny joke if you don't like Trump, but it's a, uh, would he have done the same joke about Obama? I kind of doubt it. I think if Joe Biden had come down with COVID, they might have canceled the show for the week. I think you're right. I think you're right. It's, it's amazing. Now, I've been, I've been very critical today of uh, the White House staff, including my friend Mark Meadows. I think as White House chief of staff, he should have protected the president and first lady from any chance of getting COVID or for that matter, the flu. Anything you protect the most important person in the United States of America and their family. That's their number one job, and you especially protect the senators that are going to be voting for the Supreme Court nominee that we want to be done in three weeks. And I know Tom Tillis, my prayers are with you too. You wore a mask during this event, and it didn't work, but uh, because the mask, I heard a great someone talk about the mask. The mask might reduce. The amount of fluid that goes in your nose, but it doesn't stop all the fluid, but it might actually make make you have less of the virus than you would without a mask. And that's the first time I've ever heard it explained that way, because people have a false impression the mask will stop all fluid. It won't, but it might have a reduced infection rate as a result of having the mask on. And the problem is Tom Tillis, our senator, had the mask on, but people around him did not. And they sat Melania Trump right next to a nine, the nine-year-old son from uh, Haiti of the uh, new uh, Supreme Court nominee. And wouldn't someone go, wait a minute, should, should the first lady really be sitting next to a nine-year-old kid? I'm not getting near any kids at this point in time for the last six months, including my nieces and nephews' kids. I'm not getting close to them because I'm in an age group where i got to be worried about it. 
But shouldn't someone on the staff go, you know what, that's not a good place for uh, Melania to sit. They weren't looking out for the best interest of uh, the president and first lady, I don't think. But the way the liberals have reacted to CNN was like glowing, you know, shaming the president. How dare you get the virus? Well, you know, it's interesting. The Virginia governor got the exact same virus this week. You know, the blackface Virginia governor that's been given a pass. Ralph Northam. You know, he's been given a pass. If he were a Republican, they'd still be demanding his resignation. But he's a Democrat. And they would have to replace him with the Speaker of the House, a Republican, because Lieutenant Governor was in other controversy. But they give Northam a pass on now getting the virus, too. They're not, you know, was he wearing a mask? Was he irresponsible? By the way, didn't a guy named Cuomo, Chris Cuomo, get the virus? Mm -hmm. Was he irresponsible? Did he go to functions? Did he get near his family and his kids? Apparently, he didn't just stay in his basement like he pretended to. No, he got the virus, too. So there's a little bit of hypocrisy among the liberal outrage, and some of the outrage from the Hollywood stars is just, it's, it's, it's sickening. And I would have said the same thing toward any Republican if, if President Obama had gotten this virus or gotten sick. You'd wish for their speedy recovery. I don't think Chris Rock on Saturday Night Live would have cracked that same joke about Obama or Biden. There is no doubt about it. And the crowd, if they had, the crowd wouldn't have laughed. <laughs> the laughed, the laughter from the crowd of that joke was kind of a sign of our nation's decline and decorum, which we're all been a part of. But uh, part of the Pat McCrory show is to always have decorum and to have no name calling. We respect the virus, but we also know we got to live with our lives, go on and live with our lives, but be careful. And uh, frankly, the White House Rose Garden, they weren't careful. And Chris, Cro- Rock, Chris Rock was rude on Saturday Night Live, inconsistently rude. If he had done that for everyone, that would have been funny. And I like Chris Rock. He's a funny guy. But I think you're right. He wouldn't have done it for Biden. And if he'd done it with Biden, the crowd would not have laughed. They would have gone, ooh, that's, ooh, ooh, that's below the belt. 929 on WBT. Pat McCrory show continues. Big finish next half hour, 704-374-3800. Yeah, what's your reaction? Uh, you know, we haven't even talked about the debate. It's amazing how many things have just gone away. The debate's old news. Well, the VP debate is two nights away. So, And we might talk a little bit about the South Carolina debate coming up between Lindsey Graham and uh, Jamie Harrison. That's right. Boy, Jamie Harrison's got a lot of money, just like Cal Cunningham. There were fireworks on Saturday night. We'll have some audio coming up. Yeah. 9.36 on WBT, Pat McCrory Show on a Monday. President Trump, he uh, been releasing videos over the weekend. Now he's tweeting. Just to give you an idea of mm-hmm. what he's tweeted. Uh, stock market highs. Vote. Strongest ever military. Vote. Law and order. Vote. Religious liberty. Vote. <laughs> Biggest tax cut ever. And another one coming. Vote. It's just rapid fire. Vote, 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 vote. So uh, He's got to get his message out because so far uh, the administration and campaign has failed to uh, 
change the dynamics of at least what the polling is saying. I know all my Republican friends are going, oh, don't worry about the polls. They were wrong last time. No, I'd, I'd be worried about the polls right now. Well, the polls uh, in North Carolina have suggested that the Tillis and Cunningham race is tight. That may change right. now because Which, of events over the weekend. We'll see. But the well, well, two events. One is Tillis is off the campaign trail, and Cunningham may hide between now and the election and just uh, have commercials out there. It's going to be interesting if Cunningham says anything else. But the Tillis-Cunningham race could make the difference on who controls the Senate mm-hmm. in the future. Uh, it's it's crucial. The Democrats are going, what the heck just happened here? But they're, uh, Chuck Schumer apparently is not worried about uh, the character traits only of Donald Trump, but now Cal Cunningham is getting a pass from Chuck Schumer. Meanwhile, in South Carolina, an equally hotly contested race, and that is Jamie Harrison, the newcomer, and uh, the incumbent, longtime incumbent, Lindsey Graham. They debated for the yeah, first time. And this race shouldn't even be close, but the Democrats uh, smell, smell blood. And Jamie Harrison has raised... Unbelievable money. By the way, these are from the the Democrats who don't believe in special interest. If you don't think this money is coming from special interest, you're lying to yourself. This is big-time money going to Jamie Harrison, Cal Cunningham, and Roy Cooper. Money that we've never seen in the Carolinas like this. It's just incredible money. The Democrats have been become the party of big money in political campaigns. Ever since Barack Obama said, we're not going to accept federal matching contributions anymore the rules changed so that money that's been spent a lot of it spent on ads and Mm -hmm. many of those ads on both sides have been very negative Uh, this has been a pretty nasty race and that that question about the money being spent and the uh, negative part of those ads uh, brought up on Saturday night. This is a WIS uh, cam- uh, a debate, debate number one of three, apparently, and here's some of that. Well, listen, I, I haven't gone negative. I've just been t- uh, informing people and educating people about Senator Graham's record. Uh, now, in terms of negative and not true, uh, Senator Graham is running something right now that talks right, stop. about me just working just for a That's a great line. I haven't gone negative. I'm just telling... The- the public about his record <laughs> the negative part of his record so that that's the game you know i've played the game i know the game i've been played by the game i'm not being negative i'm just telling his record well they're they're telling their record the way you can disguise statistics in any way you want you know lindsey graham has taken away your medicaid just like right now Roy Cooper is going, if you vote for Dan Forrest, he's going to take away your Medicaid. That's total BS. Total BS. But I'm just attacking his record, but I'm not being negative. He's a lobbyist, by the way. He knows he knows how to attack other people. He's a lobbyist. He's very good. A well-paid lobbyist, I might add. In this case, lobbyists are okay. <laughs> there are good lobbyists and there are bad lobbyists. Jamie Harrison, according to the Democrats, is a good lobbyist for special interest because they're special interest of South Carolina. Well, Lindsey Graham, obviously, is the head of the Judiciary Committee mm-hmm. in the Senate. So Amy Coney Barrett is something that came up on, mm-hmm. su- on Saturday night. So this is my thing. You know, my grandfather always taught me. He said, Jamie, a man is only as good as his word. Well, Senator, how good is your word when you made a promise to the American people? And even more, you made a promise to the folks in South Carolina that you wouldn't be doing what you're doing right now. 
And, and that's the problem that I have. The greatest, uh, I think the greatest heresy that you could do as a public servant is to betray the trust of the people that you are, uh, you took an oath to serve. And that's what you have done. Now, just be a man of it and stand up and say, you know what, I changed my mind. I'm going to do something else. But don't go back and blame it on somebody else for something, a flip-flop that you're making yourself. So, if, if I may, I said in August, if an opening comes about, uh, we'll see what the market will bear. Uh, Ms. Barrett's going to get confirmed because the president has the constitutional authority to do it. And here's what I can say about judges. When President Obama was president, I honored the fact that he won the election. And I voted for two people I wouldn't have chosen. And I've watched the Democratic Party try to destroy one conservative judge after another. Mr. Harrison encouraged the filibuster of Judge Gorsuch, the first partisan filibuster in the history of the United States Senate. He cheered on the destruction of Brett Kavanaugh. All I can say is that Amy Barrett is highly qualified. I'm the chairman of the Judiciary Committee. The president has every right to do this. And if you're counting on Mr. Harrison to ever vote for a conservative judge, you're making a mistake of high proportion. You can count on me Thank you, for sir. conservative judges. Thank you very much. Both made incredible, excellent points. Jamie Harrison, by the way, is always his commercials do the same thing. He talks about the folk, L F O L K. Flip flops. He mentioned the word flip flops. Believe me, he knows what words he's using. I, I see it used in his commercials too. Lindsey Graham came back instead of getting defensive about his change of mind of going, yes, I'm going to vote for this person. I'm going to help get this person through. Lindsey Graham took the offensive and say, well, this guy says he's bipartisan, but he encouraged the voting against any Republican candidate, regardless when he himself, when Lindsey Graham voted for Democrats on the Supreme Court because the president nominated qualified people that he disagreed with, but he felt it was his right to vote for him. And he's basically saying Jamie Harrison wouldn't do that. Very good offensive point, especially to moderate voters. We got a little bit more, I think. They hate me. This is not about Mr. Harrison. This is about liberals hating my guts because I stood up for Kavanaugh when they tried to destroy his life. This is about me helping Donald Trump. The only good Republican is one that tries to undercut Trump. I lost to President Trump when I ran for president. If you don't remember me running for president, it's not your fault. Didn't last that long. I accepted the fact that he won. I think he's done a good job as president. He's rebuilt the military. He's cut our taxes. He's getting trade deals and he's securing the border. So the bottom line, the reason you're seeing all these ads is they're trying to take me out. They want the House. They want the Senate. They want Pelosi, Schumer, and Biden. They want Harrison in the Senate. They're going to change the Electoral College. They're going to do, with pri do away with private health care. Medicare for all takes your health care away from you. They're going to decriminalize coming into the country. They're going to give illegal immigrants free health care. That's what they say. They mean it. This is election is about taking me out because I stand you, in their way. Incredible point. What the Democrats are not doing in North and South Carolina, this is Cooper, Cunningham, and now Harrison. They are not mentioning, they are not going after Donald Trump. Isn't that interesting? They're going after their candidates. Roy Cooper is going after Dan Forrest, but he's not mentioning Donald Trump because Roy Cooper wants some Trump voters to win like he got against me. He got 1% of the Trump voter against me. That was his election. Jamie Harrison's doing the same thing, and so is Cal Cunningham. It's a very interesting dynamic, and in that case, I want to applaud uh, Lindsey Graham for taking the offensive and, and bringing up Schumer and Pelosi. Those are words that 
you you won't hear Jamie Harrison or Cal Cunningham or Roy Cooper ever bring up Schumer and Pelosi in these two states. 945 on WBT, the big finish. Coming up, your chance to chime in at 704-374-3800. Right we now, got the fever to hear from you. <laughs> for the, we need more cowbell in those calls today. We love you, we love you, we love you. One thing we do love is this community, and I want to let y'all know that I'm going to be playing in a celebrity golf tournament. I don't know who the celebrity is, but uh, I'm a big believer in foster care. There's a lot of children that need help, and uh, the least of these Carolinas is given a uh, golf tournament October 26th, Providence Country Club. If you're interested in playing, www.lotcarolinas.com. Lotcarolinas.com. Got a lot of people coming. Going to have a lot of fun, too. And uh, maybe you can help look for my golf balls. We were talking about uh, Billy Scott. Uh, a lot of people forget about this version of that song that he recorded during the Hornets' first season for this uh, station. Billy. About the Hornets. All right. Big finish. 704-374-3800. Oh, man. We've got some weird calls. We had a, we had a purge several of your calls. Some weird calls. Especially the guy talking about his thumb going somewhere. We weren't going to put it on the air. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to. I'm going to keep this job for at least another day. <laughs> if I would have played the thumb one, you know who you are. <laughs> I'm sure he does. Gas and thumbs, just not good for morning radio. That's why we're number one. We know what not to play and what to play. Right, John Moore. Right. Okay. Hey, Governor. I understand that you're upset with um, Meadows, but let's face it. He works for a guy who's pretty anti-mask, and I think that's got to be something pretty difficult to overcome when your boss is like, I'm not wearing those. Thanks. Bye. It's not just the mask. We overplay. I, I'm a believer in masks, but the masks don't protect us 100%, maybe 18% more. But you don't put the first lady next to a nine-year-old kid. I'm sorry. You just don't do that. And then you don't have a greet, meet and greet line where Chris Christie's hugging someone else. And Chris, Chris is a good friend, by the way. I, I talked to Chris a good bit. He should not have been hugging people. He's an overweight guy. Obesity is one of the people with obesity have problems with this uh, virus. And it's just common sense. We're trying to tell this to college kids going to frat parties. We have some of the smartest college kids who get to Carolina, and they do some of the stupidest things. And we have some leaders who are doing some stupid things, too. So... You know, I'm going to call it as it is, including Cal Cunningham, doing some stupid things. Hey, guys, again, another great show. Uh, Pat, speaking of polls, I did look at the poll that said Biden was up 13 or 14. Very interesting to see that same poll by the same, I believe, Wall Street Journal, NBC. Yeah. Same time four years ago, Clinton's up 13. Just got to watch what you hear there and, and, and take it for yourself. Thanks, guys. Let me tell this to all my friends in the Republican Party and Trump supporters. You can't poll, believe the polls totally because they can be wrong. But you would rather be ahead by 13 or 14 <laughs> points. I'm telling you right now. I lost by, what, 9,000, 10,000 votes out of 4.6 million. The polls were dead even when I was coming in that race. And the race was dead even. So, yeah, I would have rather been up three or four points. <laughs> and believe me, uh, 
I'd rather Trump be up 11 and 12 points. I'd rather be in his shoes. It's like being ahead in the fourth quarter. You could still win the game, but the odds are against you. Mm-hmm. Good morning, Governor. Good morning, Bo. Chris Rock, you're a clown just like the rest of the liberals in Hollywood. Let me tell you something, buddy. Karma's hell. No name calling on the Pat McCrory Show. Joe Biden called the president a clown, too, which I thought was foolish. Say something bad about what they do. Don't put their character in it. By the way, he is a comedian. Uh, we're just calling out his hypocrisy. Chris Rock would have not done that joke about Biden or Obama, and the crowd wouldn't have laughed in New York either. So I, I don't like jokes at the expense of individuals. That's why we didn't read the text messages of Cal Cunningham today because I started thinking about their family. It would have been good radio, but I'm sorry. I've had people do that to me in the past. We put family first on the Pat McCrory Show. That's why we're the... uh, Number one. Number one, and we believe in common sense. That's right. We're the movement for common sense on the Pat McCrory Show, and that's a common sense thing to do. We're, We're talking about human lives and their families. And when our show is over, we move but aside. For I the do next want to show. say this: I hate Bo Thompson. <laughs> Are we still on the air? Stop, stop name calling. Are we still on the air? Of course not. <laughs> we ended last hour. Monday, it's a new episode of All Rise: The Legal Drama, where one judge is shaking up the system. When I take the bench, I'm taking a vow to fight for justice. One case at a time. Your Honor, we're going to trial. Simone Missick is Judge Lola Carmichael. Up on that bench. Everything is different. A new episode of All Rise. Freedom is at stake. It's important. Followed by a new episode of Bull, Monday at 9, 8 central on CBS.